morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Marty Plum, and I am your host of a Pen and a Napkin podcast, the weekly coaching clinic you can carry around with you in your pocket. Welcome to episode number 168. And it would take the brother of Josh Siski to displace him as the most popular Siski ever to be on a pen and a napkin. That is right. We have one Tony Siski, the head boys basketball coach at Crete High School in Crete, Nebraska, just west of Lincoln. I uh, want to apologize in advance, folks, if, if my voice sounds a little nasally, or if I start coughing or sneezing a little bit, I am battling some fierce spring allergies right now. I've got the Claritin going. I'm feeling a lot better than I did 24 hours ago. But if I... Uh, if I start doing that stuff, I, I completely apologize for that, and uh, you know. So, but we're going to battle through here, uh, Coach. We're we're tough. We're tough as we battle through these things here. So, uh, before we talk to Coach Siski, uh, we of course want to thank our founding sponsor, Cosac Chiropractic, located at 144th of Maple here in Omaha. Coaches, if you or any of your athletes are struggling with balance, neck, or spinal issues, have them go see Cosac Chiropractic. You can check out their practice at CosacChiro.com. Follow us on Twitter at a pen and a napkin. We try to put out daily coaching tidbits on the Twitter handle, so be sure to follow us there. Obviously, if you're listening, you're on iTunes, download, rate, review, subscribe, give us five stars, all of those great things, uh, and and help out the, the podcast so that we can get to the top of the rankings here, move up, so that when folks look up Coaching Basketball Podcast, a pen and a napkin pops right up there. Questions, comments, suggestions, or ideas, email me, a pen and a napkin at gmail.com, and go to a pen and a napkin.com. It's a good website. It's a great coaching website. I know that because I'm the one that designed it myself. Coach Siski, straight off the links, how are you doing today, Coach? Doing great. Doing great. Yourself? Uh, like I said, other than other than battling uh, these allergies, I'm, I'm doing just fine. Uh, it's it's Friday. We're recording this on Friday the 31st. As a native Iowan, I am really excited that in about two and a half hours or so, uh, the Iowa Hawkeye women will be tipping off in the Final Four against South Carolina, and it would be really, really cool uh, for uh, any sport in Iowa to win a national championship other than wrestling. Uh, so excited for that. And uh, by the time folks will be hearing this, we will have gone through our coaches clinic uh, that were hosted. So other than that, I don't have much, uh, don't have too many irons in the fire, coach. How about you? Well, as you mentioned, coaching some golf this year for the first time in my career and just got done with practice a little bit ago. Uh-huh. Um, other than that, uh, ready for probably the most relaxing weekend I've had since the season's ended. <laughs> well, that's, uh, that's going to be good for you, coach. It's going to be good. Um, well, Hey, let's, uh, let's jump into it here, Tony. Uh, you've been around, uh, quite a while, like, like, like myself and others, you are experienced. We're going to use that word. We're not going to use the O word, O word, three letters long, uh, uh, ends with D and starts with O and it's not odd. Uh, we are experienced. So, uh, coach, for for we'll just start this the way that we normally do for folks that don't know about you and your basketball journey. Uh, tell us a little bit about uh, what you've been doing the last twenty five years or so, uh, and and how you ended up at Creed High School. Well, when I was at Midland, I, I played there a few years and uh, had a couple hand surgeries and, and decided to give it up. So, my last two years at Midland, I was fortunate enough to the assistant coach at Mead High School with P.J. Quinn his first two years, and he, he just got out of coaching. So I started coaching there, uh, and uh, my first job out of college, I was at Dorchester as an assistant, and then I got the head job at Raymond Central, was there for six years, 
Uh, moved on to Scotts Bluff, was there for nine years. Moved to Norfolk, was there for four years, and just finished my third year in Crete. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and, and head coaching everywhere along the way after Dorchester, right? Raymond, yes. Scotts Bluff. Yep, yep. yep. Um, what... Uh, you know, you, you you stepped in. You know, you've kind of worked your way up uh, from a, from a C one to a B to an A, and now you're back into the B level, and and you've you've won a couple of state titles here along the way, uh, Scotts Bluff and and Norfolk. But in both of those situations, it had been a while for both communities uh, before they had won a, a state ch- a championship. Correct me if I'm wrong, Tony. Scotts Bluff in 2012. That was the first time since 1955 in Norfolk. Uh, since the mid to late eighties, eighty seven, I'm guessing right around there. Um, you know what was what was that experience like? Bringing back uh, a state championship to two uh, rural, you know, I, I guess we'll call it rural communities. You know, Scotts Bluff is is a is a class B, but it's way out in the Panhandle. Uh, you know, far removed from your Omaha and Lincoln schools, and then Norfolk, of course, you're a class A. That's going against the Omaha Centrals and the Millard Wests and, and Millard Norris and all of those folks. What was it like bringing, uh, you know, championships to, to communities who probably had a little bit different level of appreciation for that type of sex, success than other uh, communities might? Well, yeah, I, I do think it's definitely uh, special to both communities, and, and that's what I enjoyed uh, about it the most was it was a community uh you know, is a big deal to each community, and the communities took pride in it. And you know, I grew up in Omaha. I went to Rolls High School, so you know, I know that aspect of it. But then when I went out to Scotts Bluff, kind of the, the narrative out there was, well, yeah, we can get to state, but we can never beat the teams from the East. You know, so we were able to do that, and and that meant a lot. And um, the the trip home and the stuff that that the community did for to celebrate the team success that year was just really neat. And then the same thing with Norfolk, you know, it'd been a while for them and it was, it was a little bit different situation in, in Norfolk. Uh, first year went in with a senior laden team with high expectations mm-hmm. and, but still it was that deal that, you know, outside of Omaha or Lincoln, there hadn't been a state championship one in a while. Yeah. Um, and it, it meant a, a lot to that community as well. You know, that trip home, was pretty special. We get back and they're lighting off fireworks. I know it was after midnight and there's a deal in the gym and then people were there till well after two in the morning. Uh-huh. Meant a lot to both communities and it's very special. I was just happy to be a part of that. What, you know, in, in both situations, you kind of mentioned it, um, you, you had to convince, you know, the kids and, and others that, that you could do this. Like you said at Scott's Bluff, we could get the state tournament, but we can't beat anybody from the East. Uh, you know, what, what do you feel like that you did, uh, that, that either mentally or physically or both put your, put your kids in a situation that, you know, you felt like you put them in a good spot to make them feel like, yeah, we can get this done. We are going to get this done. Well, both situations were different. Um, Scott's bluff, uh, you know, going out there, I didn't know a whole lot about the program and, and what it was like before I got there, but to go in and just it, it was it was different. I know our expectations were different in terms of how we practice and what off season looked like, and uh, then then schemes. And at Scott's Bluff, um, yeah, the biggest you know what we started doing was traveling around a little bit more in the summer, exposing ourselves to playing more 
of the East Nebraska teams or the Denver teams, bigger bigger high schools, bigger city teams, mm-hmm. and we beefed up our schedule as well. We we added uh, or we added teams from Rapid City, South Dakota. We were already playing the Cheyennes from Wyoming, and then we were in the GNAC at the time, which included uh, Kearney, uh, North Platte, mm-hmm. North Fork, and Columbus. Mm-hmm. But just kind of changing that mindset that, yeah, we can, we can go down there and, and compete. We're not just going down there to be part of the state tournament. We're going down there to compete and, and play in that last game. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, like I mentioned, with, with, with that job, it, there's a, uh, just a lot of um, changes to the mindset and the scheme to what they were doing previously. Now with Norfolk, we go into a team my first year at that had been in the state tournament and had competed at a high level and had high expectations. And it was, it, it just took them a little while to completely trust that, Hey, what we're doing right now, can be successful as well. And once, once that clicked, and I remember the game that clicked is Omaha North game. Um, we, we'd been, we'd been successful, but things were just weren't smooth. Mm-hmm. And that game, we just exploded in the second half. And, and from there on, we, we really kind of rolled that year. And it was just like the kids just said, hey, this is the way we can do it and be successful. And went down, and, and they were. And, and it, it was great for them because they definitely deserved it. Did you, did you feel, especially like in Norfolk, did you feel some resistance from the kids? Is, is that what I'm sensing? And I don't mean like bad resistance, but it was like, this is, you know, everybody's a little hesitant when, when change comes around. And like you said, they had had success. They'd been to the state tournament, you know, and, and now you're coming into this, like you said, a senior-laden team, and and this is the way we've done things for quite a while, so forth and so on. So I, I don't want to read into it too much, Tony, but that's, that's you know, just maybe not resist. And I don't know if resistance is the right word, but just a little hesitancy, maybe. Yeah, it's definitely more hesitancy than resist, resistance. Yeah. Those they were great and they were open to everything that, that we were doing, but we were trying to change things that these kids had been doing for a long time mm-hmm. and, and they'd been successful. Um, you know, that senior class uh, had played together for a long time and been, you know, the, at Norfolk, there is a great system already set up as far as uh, your youth teams are going to do follow a progression to prepare you for the high school. And that, that was already in place. But then I, when I got there and, and we're just going to do things a little bit differently, offensive, defensively. And, um, yeah, there was some hesitancy and, and then there was some, you know, maybe just breaking some habits, not bad habits by any means, but just habits that they were uh, used to doing. Mm-hmm. And we were just putting our twist on it. And the kids were great about it. They were very open, but it, it was you know, if you've done something for so long, uh, just making that adjustment and, and they did. And, and once it became more second nature for them is when it really took off. Was it, was it a gradual thing where you just, you just, you just kept emphasizing it, not, not in a big boisterous way, but just, Hey, stay with it like this, stay with it. How did you handle it as a coach? Yeah. Just being persistent and just continuing to, uh, practice it and and uh, coach them up on it and i remember <laughs> i remember that you know i was still living at scott's bluff at the time and went back for a camp and left that camp like oh man 
<laughs> this is, <laughs> you know, I, I, they were super talented, uh, great kids, but you could just see the wheels turning and, and they're thinking, you know, why are we doing this when we've done this for so long, mm-hmm. you know, and it was hard for them. Yeah. And I, I completely understand that, but I needed to coach what I knew. Yeah. And I, I thought that was going to be the best way rather than come in and, and say, you know what, you know, you guys have been doing this forever. We're going to continue to do this and I'm going to learn it. I, I just wanted to be able to coach the way that I coached. And um, as the season went on, it just got better and better. Did, did you sit down and have some conversations with the kids, you know, communicating your vision and, and, and trying to let them know, okay, I know you've done things like this, but I like doing it like that, and, and here's the reasons why, and, and, and that type of thing? Was, was there a lot of that one-on-one communication as well? Uh, not necessarily one-on-one, but, um, you know, I think the first thing I had to do was, was earn their trust. And once they understood that I was there for them and I'm there to push them and challenge them and make them the best individuals and and. Uh, team that they could be it made it easier but they they didn't have problems at practice saying why are we doing this and as long as i could give them and if i if as long as i could give them a good reason why then they they were good and if i couldn't give them a good reason why then we probably shouldn't be doing it that way but i I was able to let them know this is why we're going to do it this way and and go from there Mm -hmm. you know you you're in a situation and oftentimes we don't think about this as coaches you're you're in a, a very successful situation at Scotts Bluff. You nine years in a in a relatively small community, uh, and you decide to move on. Uh, and then you go to Norfolk, and you're there for four years, and you decide to to move on. Uh, you know, I think one thing that we don't talk enough about is leaving jobs and and how to handle leaving jobs if you choose to move on. Uh, you know, how did you handle that with administration? How did you handle that with your players? How did you handle that with your coaches? Especially, like I said, in a situation where you had been very, very successful at a championship level in both places. Well, it's hard. Um, and I've been lucky everywhere I've been. I've been lucky to have great administration. And the moves that, that um, I've made have been on for personal reasons. You know, when when I left Scott's Bluff, that, that was a very, very difficult because we put a ton of time in and I felt like the kids in the community and our coaching staff had really built a strong program. Um, you know, I'd been there nine years. My kids uh, had basically grown up there. But it was time for myself uh, to move back and allow my kids to be closer to their cousins and their grandparents and, and the other people in their lives because um, everyone else on the east side of the state, mm-hmm. you know, in Norfolk, uh, same thing is is a personal move. Um, just to get back to a smaller school, my my boys, I have two boys that are currently a freshman and sophomore. We're getting close to entering high school, and I just felt like a smaller school would have been is, was going to be a better fit for them, and, and it was the right decision. Coaches are absolutely loving are taking over a new program booklet. As many of you know, I spent two years outside of coaching, and during that time, I hung a note card in my workspace at school that said, strip the house down to the studs. I took that time to really rethink and reorganize my thoughts on what it takes to run a transformational program. As I prepared for the possibility of coaching again, I organized these thoughts into this 96-page booklet. How much do I trust this booklet? I used this booklet as I went on interviews to help sell myself and my vision for what my new program would look like. If I'm using it to sell myself, why wouldn't I recommend it to you, my listeners? This booklet will help you look at any part of your program, 
no matter what stage you're at in your program, and help improve it in some way. It's all yours for only $15, which includes shipping and handling. For more information, email me at a pen and a napkin at gmail.com. Tony, you're you're coaching a, an individual sport. We we mentioned that a little bit here. Uh, you're uh, you're the assistant golf coach there for the Creek Cardinals this year, the JV coach. And I know you haven't done this very long. It's only been a few weeks. But what have you learned about coaching uh, a sport like golf after coaching a team sport that's so team driven and getting five people? Uh, working together on both ends of the floor, and, and now you're in dealing with just the one individual, and it's the individual against the, the course. Uh, what have you What have you learned about coaching in the last few weeks as you stepped into this realm of Scottish ball striking instructor? Well, I can tell you this: I'm not going to be trying to change too many kids' swings. <laughs> um, I've coached over. My career, I've I've coached football. I'm a, I'm also an assistant tennis coach, so I'm coaching individual sport in, in that regard as okay. well. Um, I've coached uh, track, and and now I'm I'm into golf. So I've I've coached a variety of things, and it, it is different. It's a lot different. Uh, tennis and and golf are, are very similar, but a lot of b- both those sports are. There's so much mental in it and keeping your composure and just individual strategy. And, and, and so that's the part that I really focus on with the kids is the mindset aspect of these sports. Mm-hmm. Um, is that just, you know, again, talking to them quietly out on the tee box, out on the putting green. Hey, don't get too up. Don't get too down. Just focus on the next shot. You know, I, I suppose tennis would be a little bit more like a basketball because you, you play a rally and then you turn right back around and you know you're playing again 20 30 seconds later with the next serve you know golf you hit it and you got to walk two three minutes or whatever before you hit it again and you got a lot of time to think there it, it does have you seen that part of it play out yeah you know and and they all translate because in coaching no matter what you're coaching you've got to figure out how to re- relate to that player those individual players, you know, in basketball, a team, but you're still trying to push the buttons with each individual player. And when, when do you give encouragement? When do you, um, get on them? When do you just step back and, and let them figure it out? And, and that's what, uh, you know, that's what I've learned in the individual sports as well as the team sport. Mm-hmm. Um, I think what, you know, in, in researching for today, I think one of the things that you can definitely say about you is you know your identity. Like you said, you came into Norfolk. Uh, kids have done things that way, but but you were like, this is going to be our identity. This is the way I want things done. And you kind of took the the path of more most resistance instead of least resistance, at least, especially for that for that first year with that experienced senior class. Uh, what what have you done at uh, you know, once you kind of got your feet wet at Raymond Central, when you went out to Scotts Bluff, when you went to Norfolk, when you went to Crete, uh, what were you know what were you looking to do, and what was what were the steps that you took to create the identity that you were going to create around those programs? Well, the first thing that I want to do, and and, that, and I I talk to the kids about this, I want them to take ownership of the program, and it's their program, and I want them to know that. Our coaches are, are going to support you in any, any way that you can. We're going to push you, but ultimately, it's your program, and you're going. You're 
get out of it as much as you put into it. And and we're willing to put in, you know, set up as many opportunities for you to be successful as possible. But it's on you and your teammates um, as far as as how far we're going to go. And in doing that, um, we we also want to see you take pride in this. And what I've seen over the years in, in Scott's Bluff, it, it, the longer I was there, you're seeing more and more past players coming back and supporting the current teams. And when when that's happening, that's when you know that uh, the program's going in the right direction. Mm-hmm. Uh, is that organic or is that stuff that you're organizing or a little bit of both with, with bringing alums and making them part of the program? Uh, how, how has that worked out for you? Um, I've done it in a variety of ways. Um, it, you spend a lot of time together in the summer and you take trips together. And, and I've taken teams to California, Las Vegas, Salt Lake City, um, you know, Kansas City, Denver, around here. And when you're uh, doing that, spending time with them, they get to see you in a different light. They're spending time around each other. Um, you're making it an important part of their life. It's something that they enjoy doing. But then other things that that I've done over the years that I think have benefited our basketball program, when I was in Scott's Bluff, I was teaching at elementary my last five years there. Mm-hmm. And I was starting to feel a disconnect between myself and the players. And the, the other thing, too, you mentioned it earlier, the experience part of it. We're not going to use the o, the o word. Yeah. But the, the age gap is getting... <laughs> getting greater and so you got to find a way to connect with your players yeah um and i was starting to realize that hey i need i need to get better connection with these guys so i started doing a weekly breakfast and i i was a little unsure how this was gonna how they were gonna perceive it and uh when i mentioned it and to my seniors i was gonna do it with my seniors and we started it in the fall and we weren't talking basketball we were just gonna talk we we're gonna talk leadership well my only rule was I said I'm not going to take attendance, but I better not be the only one that ever shows up. Mm-hmm. And when we, my first year doing this with Scott's Bluff, every kid was there over 80 percent of the breakfasts that we started in the fall. Mm-hmm. We went through the basketball season, and when basketball season got over, I said, "Hey, is this something you guys want to continue doing through the spring?" And they did. Uh-huh. And so we did that, and I took it on to Norfolk, and. Uh, it's just a way for me to connect with them. And it was something that I found out that, that they did like. And, and kids in Norfolk, when they'd go back for college, they'd come back and they'd get a hold of me. Like, are you guys doing senior breakfast? I said, yep. And, and they'd say, can we pop in? I'm like, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So it's just a way to build those connections again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's great stuff. I, I like that idea. That's that's something we could do very easily at our place. So uh, there's a decent chance I'm, I'm stealing that, Coach. So I, I, I appreciate that. Uh, so um, 25 years, uh, 22 as a, as a head coach. Again, we're going to use the E word, experienced. Uh, you know, both you and I have been around this a, a long time. Uh, you know, I, I took a couple years off, had to kind of get some traction back. Uh, you've been kind of going straight through this here. Uh, what, uh, in your eyes, what, what are some keys to having a, a long career in coaching if you so choose? One, I think just being tr- true to who you are. Um, you know, and that was probably the thing that I learned most when I first went to Scott's Bluff as opposed to Norfolk. That first year in Scott's Bluff, I kind of tried to meet the kids halfway. 
and it just didn't work for me and it wasn't a great as good of experience for them as it could have been um i think you need to go in like my approach to norfolk worked a lot better this is this is how we're gonna do it and it you know i like we talked about i don't they didn't resist it but there is an adjustment period but the They'll get there, and kids will meet your expectations. So I think just being true to yourself makes it easier to just keep keep doing it each year, and and then just focusing on relationships and and making sure that uh, you know the kids are are put first. And and when you do that, um, it's a lot easier. It, it's a lot easier when when they're um, you see them enjoying being part of the program. That's what keeps me going. The first couple of years here in Crete weren't the most successful from a win-loss standpoint, but they've been enjoyable, and, and the kids have been uh, enjoying being part of the program. And, and I know that because our numbers keep going up and up, and, and they're taking more and more pride in, in being members of the Crete basketball program. Mm-hmm. How, what are some things that you do? Because uh, I, I think you know, those, those are good things to do with the kids and stuff like that. What are some things you do to, uh, at least up until this point, I hope it continues this way for you, coach. Don't get me wrong. I, I, I want it to, to keep going in this trajectory, but you've been able to avoid the, the, the old phrase, you know, coaches burnout. Um, and, and it's, it's, this job isn't getting any easier. It's getting harder, uh, for us to do. There's, there's more pressure. There's more demands, uh, on our time. There's more expectations put on us by, parents so what are some things that you've done to ease the the stress on your shoulders uh so that that you're not putting yourself potentially in in that type of situation i think the biggest thing is keeping things in perspective um we quit talking about we don't talk about winning with our kids we they don't ever hear me say that anymore i used to talk about it and it, and we focus more on the process mm-hmm. because I think when you're just looking at at winning it, and I realized that the perspective was out of order one year when when we won districts, and our kids left the court more like okay, like right relieved, like we were expected to do this. We finally did it. We got this over with, and I knew right then and there we got to change change our, our approach mm-hmm. and so we focus more on on the process and, and and um you know finding successes wherever they may be and and um keeping perspective and, and things in my life in the last five years have made it very easy for me to keep things in perspective mm-hmm. a pen and a napkin university videos are just another way that a pen and a napkin can help you become a better coach Our university video library is constantly expanding with topics ranging from interviewing for a job to full court defense to 25 universal truths about coaching. Our university videos will help you round out your skill set as a coach and help you hone your craft. Videos are $10 a piece with bundling options available. To order, you can DM me on Twitter, send me an email at napkin at gmail.com or order from our website apenandanapkin.com. Be sure to check out the A Pen and a Napkin video library. All right, Tony, at this time, uh, we go to, uh, we're going to transition a little bit. We're going to go to our John Wooden quote of the day, uh, the goat John Wooden. And, and what we do is I read a quote 
from John Wooden's book, uh, Wooden, A Lifetime of Observations, and then I give you a chance to, to talk about it, to kind of have your interpretation of what Coach Wooden is talking about uh, there, and, and, we'll, and we'll just kind of go from there. So, uh, Coach Siski, are you ready for the John Wooden quote of the day? I hope so. Okay, well, here we go. From page 139 of Wooden, A Lifetime of Observations, here is the John Wooden quote of the day. Everyone on the team, from the manager to the coach, from a secretary to an owner, has a role to fulfill. That role is valuable if the team is to come close to reaching its potential. The leader must understand this. What do you got for us? Yeah, I think that's spot on. And, you know, just looking from a varsity team perspective, and it seems like I get asked about this in interviews a lot. Um, when I've been interviewed, interviewing for jobs, um, is one of the, if you're going to have a great team, you've got to have buy-in from all 14 players. So how do you make the 14th player feel as big a part of the team as one of the starting five? Yeah. And, and yeah, you've got to find ways to make that happen. And whether it's individual conversations, um, we try to do it, uh, at practice. Um, and then just, keeping things in perspective you know so you got to figure out how do you how do you keep these seniors especially invested who um are only getting the playing time when when the game's out of hand and you've got to find a way to make their role important and as a coach you've got to um cognitively understand that you you can't treat that you can't have the same practice expectations for that player as in regards to who are you going to jump uh, at practice or get on if they don't rotate properly on defense or, or, or don't box someone out? Is it really worth it to jump that kid who um, whose role isn't the same as, as a kid that's, that's playing 28 minutes a game? Mm-hmm. No, I, I, I think that's good. And I, uh, if that kid was able to make that box out or do whatever, they probably wouldn't be your 14th, <laughs> you know, on a consistent basis. So uh, that makes absolute sense right there. Um, all right, Coach. Well, hey, let's jump into some of your basketball philosophy here. Uh, you know, we're getting ready for 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 what we call at our place improvement season, uh, where, where we really want our kids to focus on improving and that type of stuff. And I've been asking a lot of coaches about their philosophy, about what they do in the summer, what they organize in the summer. And, and so uh, tell us a little bit. You, you talked about some trips that your kids make and uh, where they go, and, and, and sounds like you've been to some places there. So, so what, are you, what, are you, what, have, what have you done to organize a really, really good summer, whether that's team camps, individual workouts, that type of thing, uh, trips, wh- wh- whatever you got here, Coach. Uh, I- I'm just going to try and shut up and listen, and if I've got a question, I'm going to try and politely interrupt you here. Uh, so tell us a little bit uh, about an average summer with Tony Siski and the Creek Cardinals. Okay, the first thing that we're going to let our kids know that, yeah, we, we can play as many games as we want, and, and we'll try to make whatever you want uh, to happen, happen. But our uh, our workouts are in the gym and in the weight room are the most important thing. So we're going to have workouts, morning workouts, uh, four times a week um, in the gym and in, in the weight room. And that individual improvements is as important as anything. 
And then from there, I, I do think it varies a little bit from team to team. And I just met with my current juniors, going to be seniors, uh, this this week and talked to them, what are you wanting to do this summer? And sometimes you may have kids, a lot of kids that play Legion baseball or they're, or they're big-time golfers and they're going to spend a lot of time on the golf course. So you've got to work with them and see what they want to do. Or, and sometimes you have a team that, hey, we're all in on this and we, and we want to play as many games or go to as many tournaments as you can. So, so we're going to do our individual workouts. We're going to play in a summer league. Um, we're going to typically play a, team, a few local team camps mm-hmm. and then um, here at Crete, we're going to do one big trip a summer right now in, in June, I should say. Yep. So this is our June high school season. And the past couple of summers, we've gone to Denver. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we always try to host uh, three round robins a summer. So I'm, I'm going to bring in three other teams. Uh, you know, uh, Sorry, we're going to host three of them where we bring in three other teams. So we're going to bring in nine teams. I'm not looking to make money. I charge them $75, which I use to pay officials. Mm-hmm. And we're going to try to get good competition. And, and um, we've had, we try to get quite a few class A or good class B, good class C1 teams to come to Crete for three games at, at minimal cost. I, I don't know of many other schools that are charging less than $75. Most team camps are a little bit more. Yeah. yeah. So we, we do that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and then um, something that we've done last year and that we did wear in Scott's Bluff, we had our own AAU team. And yeah. in Scott's Bluff, it was hard for kids to play on AAU teams. And, and one summer we had six kids playing on five different teams. And I'm thinking if we've got six kids that want to play AAU, why don't we just play together uh-huh. and, and drag two or three other kids along? And we can do this uh, that's easier for families to manage as well. So... We did that in Scott's Bluff, and, and that's where we took teams to Las Vegas and California, Salt Lake City for for uh, AAU tournaments, and we did it last summer in Crete as well. Mm-hmm. Do you, how do you how do you do that part of it? Do you find like a, a couple businesses in town to help sponsor you? How's that process work out? In Scott's Bluff, we did uh, we did some fundraising for that AAU stuff, and we found some sponsors that that took on our our team name uh, in Crete. We we did a little bit of fundraising um, where kids could earn money individually, and then we just had a, a flat fee for them, and, and so they could either uh, take advantage of some of our fundraising opportunities or just pay the fee. Mm-hmm. Is is that a is that an open thing, or are you basically limiting that to what you envision to be your top nine nine or ten kids? Well, last we we opened it to everyone, and uh, last year we actually had three teams. We had one team playing seventeen U, and then we had a fifteen U and a fourteen U team, because we we only had um, two seniors that uh, played on that, and the, that were going to be seniors. The rest were going to be juniors. So that team that group had to play in the seventeen U because of those two seniors. And then we had a group of going to be sophomores and going to be freshmen that were playing as well. Mm-hmm. How is how have your parents? Uh, how receptive have they been to that concept and that process? They were really receptive to it last summer. Um, we had thirty high, thirty or thirty one high school kids playing on pre AAU teams. Mm-hmm. Do you have kids that maybe have played with I don't know, like in your area, like Lincoln Supreme or Lasers or 
stuff like that uh, that they've, you know, obviously I'm guessing you're not saying, well, you've got to leave, you know, su- you know, Supreme to come play with us. If you still want to play with them, you're, you're cool with that, right? Yeah, we are. And, and that's what, when I sent out the email and explained it, I just said, hey, this is an alternative to some of these other organizations. You know, we've had kids that have had positive uh, experiences with organizations that we've had some kids that honestly haven't had positive experiences. So it was an alternative. And we said, if you want to go play for someone else, that is perfectly fine. Mm-hmm. And uh, just left it up to them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what, what has been, uh, you know, when you're, when you're doing your individual work, when you're, when you're doing these things, how do you, how do you kind of rate that out in the sense of, uh, you know, when do you feel like, or what are your kind of markers when you're like, okay, we're progressing in the right direction. We're not worried about wins and losses, but what are some things that you're looking for in your summertime where you feel like, okay, I feel like this group is is moving in the direction we want them to go in, uh, that they're going to want to go in, or, ah, you know, I'm a little bit worried about this group. I don't feel like we're progressing as much as I like. What are your what are you what are the things that you're looking for, Tony? Honestly, the biggest thing is just the enthusiasm getting in that gym. Mm-hmm. Are they wanting to be here? And obviously in the off season, nothing's mandatory, Yeah. but when our kids are showing up and almost every single kid is, is there over 80% of the time and a good number of those kids are asking at other times, Hey, can we get in the gym? Can we get on the, in on the gun? Mm-hmm. Then, then I know it's successful, um, from that standpoint. And, and, you know, I mean, you put time in and you're doing the right things. You're, you're just naturally going to get better. Mm-hmm. And, and, we're seeing improvement from our kids and, and we're, uh, we also set, sat down with them before the summer and wanted their individual goals as far as what they wanted to improve on. And, and also we had them talk about a couple team goals that they want to see, but we wanted to talk to them about their individual goals and, and see if they aligned with what we thought they needed to work on as well. Gotcha. Uh, it is it is obvious that you are a defensive first coach. Your your team this year was was pretty doggone good defensively uh, for the most part, and 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 that's going to be uh, close, you know, to the top of your identity. So let's let's jump into your defensive uh, philosophy, Tony. What what do you what are you guys teaching? What are you teaching your kids? What do you like to do? Uh, what maybe have you done? Uh, obviously the thing that you want to do is just win. So however we win, that's, 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 that's the number one thing. Uh, but, but in a perfect world, uh, what are you, what are you teaching, uh, defensively and, and how do you implement that with your kids? Well, I think you have to have a, like a base system, your fundamentals of how you want to play. And we want to play man and we want to protect the paint. Um, what we talk to our kids about is we want um, teams to have to score against our set defense. So we want to take away transition, and we want to take away second chance points, and we want to get our defense set. And once we get our defense set, we want to protect the paint. So we're majority man-to-man, and we are taking away middle and, and trying to get teams to take contested jump shots i know this is nothing earth shattering because i know a lot of people have the same philosophy now some people force middle but but we we want to take away middle and so we're going to build from there and uh, and then real, we can real adjust. quick, real quick yeah. why why are you I, i'm a takeaway middle guy too but i'm curious uh 
why do you, why do you believe that? I just think if, if people can beat you middle, there's just way too many ways to get beat from there. And I think rotation, rotations are harder from there. Yeah. You know, obviously they, they can score, but they have every angle to pass to. Yeah. And I think more, they have just, just more opportunities to uh, create if they beat you middle. Yeah. That, that's the way I feel too. If, if they get to the middle, you can use all three portions of the floor, both sides and the middle. If you keep them on a side at best, they can only use two sides. Most high school kids can only use at best two parts, the side that they're on in the middle uh, effectively and you and you, and you it limits the area that you have to defend and it, I I believe that it makes it simpler for your team to defend because you're having to defend less space if you don't if you don't let the ball get to that middle area that's that's just me that's just me so it, and and I also think your rotations are more defined mm-hmm. yeah yeah I agree you know that's that's yeah that's the, we're we're on the same wavelength here. Tony, so that's yeah. that's good to hear. So, what else you got? Sorry, I meant to interrupt you. I'm not going to say I didn't mean to interrupt you. I did mean to interrupt you, but but keep going with what you were saying. So so then from there, once once you establish, you know, hey, we're going to take away middle. This is where our force. This is where we're going to rotate from, and this is what's going to look like when we scramble. You can always uh, tweak things game to game on how you're going to defend screens and and how you're going to defend certain players. Mm-hmm. Uh. When you're, when you're, are you a switch uh, coach? Are you, are you fight through it? Is it situational? Uh, that type of thing. So we're we're going to teach both. Um, we're going to teach uh, first. We're going to teach how we're going to get through down screens. How we're going to get through cross screens. That's that's where we're going to start after we we do positioning. Um, but we are are going to teach switching as well because I think there's a time and place for it. And then ball screens, we defend ball screens six different ways, at least. And, and so that's a whole other animal when we get into that. But, yeah, we're going to start by teaching positioning and then getting through cross screens and down screens. Well, let's get into that whole different animal. What are what are some different things that you're looking at on your ball screen coverage? And, and I, you know, ball screen is a huge part of the game now. Yeah, so, absolutely. Um, We'll switch it. We'll we'll go over with a hard hedge. We'll go over with a flat hedge or slow play it. Uh, we'll chest up and go under. Uh, we'll we'll trap it. Um, I haven't done too much of ice, but we have done ice at times. Um, so we work all these, and you know, wing continuity ball screen um, has become very popular, and we run that as a defensive drill at least once a week, and and we'll talk about you know we'll work our different ways that. We're going to defend ball screen. Mm-hmm. Um, what seems to be the easiest for you to teach, and what seems to be the most difficult for the kids to understand, it? And, and why do you think that is? I think switching is the easiest, mm-hmm. and I would say that a really hard hedge seems to be the toughest for kids because they are so worried about getting back to the guy that that they're supposed to be guarding. Mm-hmm. And, and just you know, we we teach uh, over the screen under your teammate on a hard hedge, and just be, to be able to get that in the communication and getting the the hedger to be hedging it hard enough and long enough for the teammate to get under him, and the teammate that's getting under um, going over over the screen under the teammate to be able to take away the angle and and not call his teammate off too early mm-hmm. so i would say that's the toughest one for our kids 
what are you teaching off the ball when you're teaching your your ball screen defense? Uh, and and we call it roll help, and we want them to communicate roll help. Um, depends depend on what we're doing. If if we're going up with a hard hedge and over, we want our roll help outside the lane, mm-hmm. and then we want to kind of zone up with the other two on the backside. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and and then it depends too. Are they running? Uh, you know, if they're running continuity, are they running um, just a, the the empty with two guys, or are they a strong side where they've got three guys on the ball side? Mm-hmm. So that that changes your role help as well. Mm-hmm. What uh, what are some other you know other than you're you're getting through screens? Like, how often are you working on closeouts? And and what are maybe what are some you know, you mentioned going through uh, CBS, the continuity ball screen offense, and you do that at least once a week like you've taught it uh, so that your kids can defend against it so you can work on it defensively. What are what are two or three other of your favorite defensive drills that, that you really lean on to, to help your kids learn how to play? So beginning of the year, we're doing a lot more breakdown stuff, and you mentioned closeouts. We do we do a lot more at the beginning of the year. As the season goes on, we still do it. I, I like a, we call it, we just call it um, continuous closeout drill. So there's a coach at the top of the key, an offensive player at each wing, and then you're, you've got a line underneath the basket. And so coach will throw it to one wing, and we're closing out to that that wing, and we want to close out um, high shoulder. And we tell our kids, you're taking away two things on your closeout, you're prepared to take away the third. So we're going to take away shot and we're going to take away middle drive and we're prepared. So we've got our weight on our, our top foot. So we are prepared to push off and take away uh, drive towards the baseline. Um, so the, so the first guy's closing out the next guy in line is your help defender. And he's technically guarding the other wing. So, Offensive players just going to take two dribbles either way, and we were focused on not getting beat middle, so we cannot get beat to the elbow or, or lower. Um, two dribbles either way, then they throw it to coach, and coach just swings it to the other guys, so that your help defender is closing out. Next guy in line stepping out and, and help. Offense goes to defense. It's a very very fast paced drill. Mm-hmm. I so like that one. Do, sorry, go ahead. I was just gonna say I like that one. Yeah. So we're doing that. We're doing we're doing a lot of one on one defense. You know, full court. When we go full court, we're just we're going three groups at a time, and and we're not trying to score. We're just trying to put as much pressure, turn the guy as much as we can. Uh, we'll break that down to half court, top of the key stuff that everyone does. Then we'll we'll combine them where uh, we'll have a three offensive guys, wing top of the key, and opposite wing, and our defender will will guard the ball. He swings it. Um, to the top of the key, he's either getting in gap or to deny whatever we're playing. Swings it to the opposite wing, and he's getting the help. And then we'll throw a skip pass, and we're, we're closing out, going one on one. So early in the year, we're doing a lot more of that breakdown individual defense stuff. And then, w- then we do shell every day, mm-hmm. in some sort of variety of shell. You know, we start from just position. We start getting through cross and down screens, and and then we go to baseline drive to rotations, baseline. Uh, drive to take a charge. Um, we'll add ball screens into it. I mean, we're we're doing some sort of competitive shell four on four or five on five every day. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had a question. Now I forget what it was. Um, must not have been that good a question. Uh, <laughs> no, here. Okay, here's what it is. 
Uh, how do you tie that into your transition defensive philosophy? You know, you're doing all this stuff in the half court. What do you? How are you tying that into your to your transition defensive philosophy? Well, we do a lot of a lot of transition defense drills. The same ones that I'm sure everyone does. And we don't do these a ton, but we're you know you got four across the free throw line and you're throwing it to one of the offense and and one guy's going and, and touching. But we do a, a lot of. Um, especially early in practice, just live situations where the defense has to transition. Uh, we may just put five guys across the free throw line and five guys spread on the baseline, throwing it to one of those guys and then transitioning down the back. Um, we do a rebounding transition drill where we have um, um, five defenders in the lane, We've got a guy at each slot, a guy in each corner, a guy in the short corner, and we're throwing it to any of them to shoot, and um, defense is transitioning. Now, we our philosophy is if you're above the free throw line when the shot goes up, you're getting back, unless you are sure that you're going to get an offensive rebound. So we are we work that a lot. If it, we do just different to um, work when the shot goes up where you're located on the court if you're a rebounder or you're getting back and we'll just take those situations live as well mm-hmm. okay coaches do you want to look good Pfft, stupid question of course you want to look good we all want to look good you know what's the best way to look good buying yourself some a pen and a napkin merchandise We've got some really, really good-looking stuff here. We've got T-shirts and sweatshirts, and you are not going to regret picking that up. T-shirts are $22 a piece. Sweatshirts are $30 a piece. If I need to mail it to you, it's just $5 shipping and handling to get this good-looking stuff out to you. Coaches, I appreciate all that you've done for me over the last three years or so with a pen and a napkin. I hope I've been able to help you out. Might as well come out and help out the Twitter handle and the podcast by ordering some of pen and a napkin merchandise. And like I said, you get to look good. If you're interested in ordering, you can DM me on Twitter at a pen and a napkin, send me a direct message, or you can email me a pen and a napkin at gmail.com and I'll get you those ordering details so that you can order some of pen and a napkin merchandise. Uh, you got Did I answer one... your question well enough? Yeah, oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely it does. Um, you got time for one more thing here, Coach? Yeah, you bet. All right. Uh, let, let's talk about uh, setting up an efficient practice here. Um, you know, obviously you've done this a long time. Uh, again, we're experienced. We're not old. We're experienced. But what are some what are some things that you feel like your program does well uh, to to be efficient in practice? How do you set up your practices to make them as efficient as they can be? Probably one thing that we do unique is I, uh, so this year we had uh, 28 healthy kids practicing each day together. And I divide up our, I divide up our teams every single day. So every day we come in, we go through our announcements, and I tell who our team is. So our, our red one and, and gray one, those are our jerseys. Red one and gray one are going to be our top 12 or 14, whatever I want that day. So I'll list off who's on red one, who's on gray one, who's on red two, who's on gray two. And that's their team for the day. And then I also put a kid in charge of that team for the day. So that's the coach of the day. Okay. So they are in charge when when we do – are if, if we're breaking down shooting drills or anything where, where they're at a basket 
they're in charge of organizing it. Um, if we're doing live stuff, they're in charge of, uh, if we're going like one and a half trips where they get to call a set, get to call a defense, they're in charge of that for the day. And if, if that, if that team's not, not doing well, not doing what I want to, I can just look at that, that coach for the day and say, Hey, you need to get your team going. And then at the end of the day, they're recognizing a teammate. They're picking a teammate of the day. And we do that at the end of practice when we break down. So that's probably something that we do uh, a little bit different. But as far as what a practice looks like for us, um, there, there's it, it's nonstop. There, there's not many breaks. We try to limit. We try to limit stopping them and um, stopping everyone and and just talking. There's times that you have to do that. But yeah. if we have subs, I'd rather throw a sub in and talk to a kid individually unless it's something that, that everyone needs to hear. Mm-hmm. And when we do address it, we want it to be quick and we want to uh, uh, get going again. Mm-hmm. Uh, I kind of mentioned this earlier. Um, we, we try to start with something very competitive each day. Mm-hmm. And so one of our first drills is going to be something where we're keeping score. We're going to have a winner or a loser. Um and we're we're getting into practice. We're set that mindset right away that we are compete every single day. You know, and we're setting that mindset for that day. Is it like a shooting drill? Is it like a team competition? It just depends on the day. Is is usually something live, okay. uh, something up and down. Yep. Our our kids, we we don't stretch as a team. We don't um, do anything like that as far as warm ups. They know that they are responsible individually to get themselves mentally and physically prepared to compete as soon as we start. And they have plenty of time to do that from the time the school gets out until we start practice. Yeah. And so when we go, we're going. Mm-hmm. And um, I know everyone talks about make practices competitive. Um, if you co- if if you watch our practice, I'd say ninety percent of things we do, we're either competing against the other team. We're keeping score or we're competing against the clock. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I I think that's such an important thing to. Yeah, one of those three things. You're, you know, you you could even throw in a fourth, like you could compete against individuals. You know, a, a closeout drill, and whoever has the most wins wins, or you know, you know, whatever it may be. And if if you want your yes. kids to compete on Friday night, they got to compete Monday through Thursday. And yeah. and and I'm not big personally into uh, a ton of ball handling and and this and that. Uh, not to say that we don't do it, we do it, but we do it in a competitive way, in a way that we're keeping points or doing this or doing that, just to keep that energy going, uh, to to make it a friendly competition with most of the things that we do. Yeah, um, and it, as you mentioned, you can make your competitive things, your one-on-one stuff competitive very easily. Mm-hmm. You know, if we're doing a one-on-one uh, closeout drill, if you get uh, whoever wins, there's going to be someone that scores or, or they don't score. Loser has to do five push-ups and you're you're right back in line. Mm-hmm. But we're putting something on it almost in every drill. Mm-hmm. Um, and kids like that. Kids kids yeah. kids want that, don't you think, Tony? I do. I and I and once once you said that, that's the expectation that everything is competitive. They just expect it and and they're ready for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, great stuff. Great stuff, Tony. A- anything else to add on, on anything? Any- anything else you want to talk about? 
Oh, no. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I think I've heard myself talk enough. <laughs> <laughs> well, how about how about one more question here? Uh, any social media, anything that you want to plug for, for the Creek Cardinals? Uh, if, if folks want to learn more about you or your program, where can they go? Yeah, you know, I have my own Twitter. I, I think it's at Coach Siski. Um, there's a few of us, so <laughs> make sure you get one, one. Two, and then, and then our, yeah. our basketball team has one as well my assistants i let them run that um but yeah f- yeah follow our, our creep basketball follow me that'd be great um i always love talking hoops so if anyone wants to reach out i'd be more than willing to to talk and learn from each other well tony i tell you what i've written down a lot of stuff here today i love the the team breakfast idea i, I love the the starting with something competitive every day i really like the coach of the day concept and the coach of the day picks a teammate of the day uh, on their team uh, i i think that's really really good stuff and uh these are definitely things that i'm going to think about uh how could we implement them or adapt them to our program so you know that some some really really good stuff that i got to pick up on today so i'm thankful for that uh there buddy so uh greatly appreciated uh hope hope you've enjoyed your time on the podcast yeah it's been fun i appreciate you asking me yeah so uh, if you can hold the line here a second, we're going to wrap everything up. Uh, Tony Siski, head boys basketball coach at Crete High School, just west of Lincoln, Nebraska. Uh, a, a, almost a, a bedroom community of Lincoln, Nebraska. Uh, you know, So take a look at Coach Siski and his program. He's done a great job. Uh, follow us on Twitter here at, at a pen and a napkin. Of course, before we do anything else, thank our founding sponsor, Cossack Chiropractic. Uh, without them, a pen and a napkin doesn't exist. So if, you, if you're in the Omaha area, you need an adjustment. Go see Dr. Kevin. Go see Dr. Heidi, 144th of Maple. Uh, download, rate, review this podcast. Give us five stars. Subscribe if you would, please. Helps us move up in the rankings. Really appreciate everybody and their participation with all the stuff that we're doing. Uh, email me if you have any questions, comments, suggestions, or ideas on anything. A pen and a napkin at gmail.com. Uh, it's been a great conversation here this evening with Tony Siski, head boys basketball coach at Crete High School. And I hope you folks have enjoyed episode number 168. Coaches, as always, let's be sure to hone our craft one day 